Morning Liberty. So you saw something on like price gouging earlier that we're going to tackle. What's that story? Well, it's from a CNN article and basically Colorado, the state of Colorado becomes the first state to institute price control on insulin prices. To me, the only of a hundred dollars a month, that's the most a patient can pay. The only explanation for that was that the legislators were high when they did it. Mm -mm. No. Well, here's the feel good story part about it. So let's get real emotional here so you can get attached. Okay. The legislature, the state legislator that worked on this bill that, that sponsored it, his brother has had type one diabetes. He was 22 years old and he was on a hike. And they didn't say whether he didn't have enough insulin or if he had too much insulin. All it said was that he ended up having a diabetic seizure, which caused him to fall. And ultimately, his brain injuries is what led him to die a day later. And it's obviously a really sad story. Um, But I don't like I don't I'm not sure the cost of what insulin was. Uh, It's tripled in the last 15 years. Okay. So it's gone from, I believe it was $4.54 a deciliter to, I'm sorry, a milliliter to $15 something. So it's it's a little more than tripled in 15 years. It's gone up about a dollar every year. Hmm. And it, like that story doesn't reference like whether or not um, the cost of insulin is what caused them to have a seizure. Because yeah. I think he was probably still taking insulin. Yeah. Um, unless he ran out and couldn't afford any, and then he went on a hike without his insulin. Mm. So the probably the legislator was just feeling like kind of emotional about diabetes and has decided to tackle the that industry, I guess, that, that drug. Well... You know? Yeah, and the governor made a pretty... Uh, he made a very emotional point to say... We're tired of pharmaceutical companies price gouging our yeah. our citizens, and it's not going to happen in Colorado anymore. And this leads to a bigger, broader discussion of like what is price gouging anyway. Yeah, we can go there. Yeah, and and the other thing is is like, do we actually want what happens when when states control prices? We can look at the history of that. Yeah, and then we can also talk about why. Okay. Drugs are probably too expensive. Why is that? They are. So there's like three different routes we can take. There's a lot. And I can think I want to start with why drugs are so expensive. Yeah. And I know you've done extensive research. I have. Uh, I actually, uh, we, we have day jobs. Um, you know, we, we, this is part of our job, but the other big part of a job is I actually own a company and I do. Uh, it's healthcare IT, but the focus of my healthcare IT is actually ha- how you pay your bill. Yeah. And so I understand why healthcare bills are so expensive, including medication and your hospital stay and procedures. I understand all the rules and regulations and well, actually I don't because there's so many <laughs> and I've been doing this for, well, I've been doing this for seven years. I've owned my own business for almost four years now. But I've been in the industry for almost 10 years, actually. And I still don't understand all the rules and regulations that the government possesses on the healthcare industry. And there's a ton of them. But specifically talking about pharmaceuticals, I think what most people don't understand is 
what it actually takes, the average of what it takes for a pharmaceutical company to actually bring a drug to market. Why? Because of FDA regulations. Now, the FDA was put in place as an organization. When was the FDA, by the way, um, put in place? In the 70s or 80s? The actual FDA? Yes. That's early 1900s. Oh, that was Woodrow Wilson, wasn't it? Yeah. The, Back the FDA's meat, meat, plaque, meat packing. Plates. I don't know for sure that it was Woodrow Wilson, but I do know the FDA has been around for that for that long. 70s is like, you know, Medicare kind of time. That's right. But um, FDA has been around for a while. Well, the Food and Drug Administration, a lot, of, most of it was about food back in the day. Yeah. Because like your medicine back then was literally like whiskey. <laughs> like here's some honey and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> That's your medicine. Alcohol. Um, there weren't many, not the drugs we see today, but the FDA took a really big turn, I think, somewhere around the 70s, probably when Medicare was instituted. Yeah. That's actually when you see a lot of healthcare change. If you go back, like just literally go back and look at charts and see like, okay, in 1950, it costs like $40 to have a baby. And then after Medicare, I think Parker's two and a half. And I believe our total cost was between 30 to 40 grand for a normal baby. Yeah. Like healthy baby, healthy baby. Yeah. I think we had to get like maybe two extra ultrasounds because her fluid wasn't as full as it like should have been, but it was still fine. Like there was nothing wrong with them whatsoever. And so you think about, okay, how do we, you know, how do we go up that far in price? Of course we have inflation and stuff, the value of the dollar. That's a whole nother discussion, but it shouldn't be that high. Well, specifically talking about drugs though, on average, on average, it takes a pharmaceutical company at least 10 years worth of research and development and about a $2 billion price tag to bring a, drew, a new drug to market. And that's because of all the, uh, all the drugs that they also tried to get approved. That, so that, that price is averaged in. So you, know, you could say for one out of every 10 that they, that they were trying to get approved gets approved, but you have to account for the cost of all 10 of those inside of that one drug that does get approved. Right. So now it really doesn't matter what that one drug costs to manufacture. It, it matters what 10 drugs costed to be manufactured because you've got to pay that back somehow or no one will put any money into medical R&D. Right. I mean, all. they've actually stopped trying to improve antibiotics, which is not a good thing because bacteria are evolving all the time. And there hasn't been a new antibiotic since like the nineties. That's pretty scary, but it's not, there's no way that they can actually do it because everything else costs so much more money. It's impossible for them to even try to put the research into something like that. And so that's a big problem with, with the costs. Now, what do you do to fix that? Well, people see the FDA as a, let's say a safety net. Like, oh, well, I don't want to take any drugs that aren't approved by the FDA. My challenge to that always is, what about the people that take FDA-approved drugs and still die? Like, has that ever happened? Yeah, I mean, that, that does happen, for sure. There are drugs. I mean, there's a lot of FDA-approved drugs right now that we uh, openly talk about people being addicted and dying from every, every single year that are completely FDA approved. Not just that, but think about all the tort cases out there, man. Yeah. Like there's so many lawsuits 
about if you've if you've got this stint put in place or if you've taken this drug, you can be entitled to compensation. Just call this giant team of lawyers and we'll try to get you ten dollars for your trouble. So yeah, that's what happens in a class action case. Right. You you end up being lumped in with ten thousand other people and uh And guess what? All those things were FDA approved. Yeah. Here's another thing to think about. What about all the massive like salmonella and other outbreaks from FDA approved produce, FDA approved meat, all of that. You have all these outbreaks. It's still FDA approved. Like they, yeah. they inspect that stuff and it's approved and then it still harms you. Well, like, the obvious response is you just can't imagine how bad it would be if they weren't there. <laughs> and that, so this is what I hate. Well, I wouldn't say I hate. This is what bothers me is that people think that somehow a few people in government are just omnipotous and yeah. all knowing and, and th- good people and good people and yeah. that they can make better decisions than we can. Yeah. You know, like think about what you do on a daily basis. Like if I want to go eat somewhere and I've never heard of the place, I like, I look at the reviews, like, especially yeah. in this day and age, like maybe you could have that argument in the sixties and be a little bit different because the information is not as available as it is today, but you can't have that argument today because what do you do? You ask your friends, you get on Facebook, like, Hey, have you guys ever heard of this place? What was your experience? Like, yeah. did anybody in your family die? Cause if they did, I probably don't want to go there. Yeah. Like, you, you have a hard time, a, a business that you're not going to make a lot of money long-term killing your customers is what I would say. There's just, there's not a big chance that you're going to start a business. You're going to create a product that has a, uh, a high, a high death rate. Other than cigarettes, I guess, still actually pretty low death rate, more than likely. But um, other than aside from cigarettes and alcohol, you're going to have a hard time creating a product um, that kills people and then being able to, you know, continue your business. Yeah. Uh, And what the heck's going on outside right now? Somebody's doing something. Is there a dump truck backing up next to your place? What is that? Yeah, someone mowing your yard. The choppers are coming. They're coming for us There's already. <laughs> the FDA SWAT teams on the on the way here now. The FDA SWAT yeah. team. They man. probably have guns. That's I'm sure they do. Yeah. Department of Education's got a SWAT team, man. I Come know. on. Of course the FDA has a SWAT team, for sure. So we got the the fact that each drug costs a lot of money to get the market. So we're you know, we know that. And everyone's heard that before. The average cost is is around two billion dollars for every single drug that you that you take. The average cost to bring that drug to market was about $2 billion. So uh, that's an issue, first off. So there's a cost built into bringing a drug to market. So we have to keep that and have to keep that in check right there. So now what happens when... Um, well, and let's say the, the, that cost is mainly derived by government regulation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's the, that's the, other, that's the other part is that... We have a cost. It's it's probably I don't know ten times more than it should be. I would say a good ten times. So is someone really going to mow your yard while yeah. we're doing this? Yeah, they're mowing out there. Well, how about that? I don't mow my own yard. Of course not. That'd be a waste of time. <laughs> it's a waste sure. of time. Yeah. So so we have that, and now we can talk about okay, we're gonna we're going to fix the price on this. So now we're we're gonna balloon the production cost. And then we're going to dictate the amount of money that you're able to charge. 
So what do you think happens in, in that kind of a system? Because no one's going to these drug, co- drug companies and saying, hey, we're gonna make sure you guys don't pay more than a certain amount for your drug that you're bringing to the market. No one's saying that. But they are saying, we're gonna make sure that you can't charge a certain amount. So No one says like, hey, we're gonna cover your risk for all your research and development to try to improve products to try to like make things better, to try to invent new products. Like no one ensures that risk whatsoever. That's all incurred by the company. Yeah. Yeah. And, which, they, and then, then, and then the hope is like, maybe just maybe one of these drugs can work and we can hopefully make all of our money back and then a little bit of profit. Yeah. Which is evil, right? right. So evil. Absolutely. Yeah. You should just, people should just spend their days I don't know how you feed yourself, but I mean, you should just spend your day trying to figure out how to make, you know, medicine for other people. Yeah. That's what you should do. That's definitely what, if you didn't have to have a job or do anything like that, you had no bills to worry about and no obligations. That's what most people would do. Spend hours and hours and, and a lot. Well, they'd spend about 10 years studying. And then after that, they'd spend the rest of their life hours and hours in a lab trying to trying to dedicate themselves to creating something for people who are going to hate them for it. Right. Yeah. That's what people would do. The other point of this is uh, what happens when you do put price control on things. And I think we've got a really good example when it comes to like rent control. Yeah. So Nate, can you please, uh, well, enlighten me a little bit and everybody else. What happened in New York when they instituted rent control? I believe Thomas Sowell talked about this. Yeah. A bit. Yeah, and so you some really good analogies in there. Great, great book uh, from Thomas Sowell called Basic Economics. Um, I've read it. I think I'm on my eighth time through the book right now. Uh, he spends a lot of time on rent control in there. And what you what you see when you uh, set a cap on the amount that you're able to charge for something is you see that people are going to be less likely to get into the business of selling that thing. First off, um, you're going to see the quality and it go down a lot, um, you're gonna see a lot of holes in that market. You know, right? In the, there's enough empty buildings in New York right now to, to house all of the homeless people in New York. There are enough buildings sitting there empty that cannot, cannot legally be rented out to people because they don't, they don't fit within the laws um, that would house all of the homeless people that are, that are there right now. So you end up with situations like this and then you also get the prices just shoot up like crazy because um, what they do with rent control is um, they they control rent on like housing you know that I could afford and make sure that you can't cap you can't charge more for more than a certain amount but they didn't put any caps on say like luxury housing luxury rents luxury rentals anything like that so what they saw was all the people who were in the business of creating uh housing for that people could afford they got out of that business because there's no way for them to uh there's no way for them to make sure they're going to get their money back ever so what happened was everyone went into the business of creating luxury rentals uh that were you know 10 times as much and so now people can't afford anything there because that was the only thing that people will go into to creating. So you get you get all these unintended consequences when you come in and, and price fix something. It happens. You can see it if you were to make a law saying you couldn't charge more than a, a certain amount per gallon for gas, something like that. You know that happens when there's a natural disaster, something like that. You say people, you know, you can't charge ten dollars a gallon for gas. So. What happens is 
all the resources gone immediately. Um, there's a natural disaster, so there's no incentive by anyone to bring more gas there because they can't charge enough to incur the risk of, of being in the area anymore. Uh, you, you see a lot of these things happen where you have shortages that are created from price fixing all the time. That's actually the, the, the main thing it does. So what we'll see with, with uh, the insulin market here, and it is just one state. So if you're a, a national drug company, it's not, it's not obvious that Colorado price fixing is going to change what you're going to do as far as manufacturing that drug. But if you took this, uh, the principle and laid it out throughout the entire country, uh, then you would have an issue getting people to come into a market where you had a fixed price on what you're able to sell. So, it, I mean, it's any business. If you think about, I'm going to go start a business, and you're like, okay, well, the government is going to put enough regulations on that that the the costs are, are literally uh, you can't even compute how much they're going to be billions of dollars of risk you don't even know if it's going to pass uh, you don't even know if you're going to be allowed to use the product afterwards and they're going to set a cap on how much money you can sell it for so it's pretty crazy and the way that this law sounds is it puts a cap on the out of pocket the copay expense, right? right? So what they're they're basically doing is shouldering the rest of that cost on to the insurance companies. Correct. They're saying that insurance companies have to cover cover the rest of it. So the whole argument about what how it's going to affect the drug drug companies is you know maybe moot because they're still going to get the money. The insurance companies are just going to cover it, right? That's well, what, that's what'll happen. Yeah, kind of. Although they they said that you know pharmaceutical companies are going to stop price gouging people. Yeah, but if they're putting the the onus on the insurance companies now i'm sure the insurance companies are probably going to have to strike a deal or something but okay but let's look at how this actually works like you said there's a bunch of empty homes now in new york well that's because people st- like you said stop caring about them um and it's going to be the same if you put price controls on anything else in a free market economy because the e- economics is the study of scarce resources. So you have to realize everything that we have in the world is scarce. Yeah. Right. And we can either so far, you can either centrally try to plan those scarce resources and be like, well, we have uh, 1 million bits of grain and we have 1 million people. Everybody gets one bit of grain. Yeah. Uh, Or you can do that through prices right and that's how you keep the shelves stocked yeah so when it comes to let's say let's say gas right and you live in florida and there's a hurricane coming and everybody needs to get out of town well if you keep gas at let's say two dollars a gallon well somebody might go there and fill up their truck and then they'll fill up 10 gas cans yeah uh, to make sure that they've got enough gas to, to get out but they've got way more gas than they need to actually drive the mileage that they need to drive well, what happens is, is that gas station runs out of gas and all the other gas stations run out of gas because they can't raise their prices. Whereas yeah. if the price went up to, let's say, $5 a gallon, did the market close again? That was uh, uh, getting close to the closing market. Yeah. Getting close to the closing market, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get your trades in. Yep. Get them in. Get them in. Uh, so, so let's say all, you know, all the gas stations end up running out of gas. And if the price was higher, let's say it was $7 a gallon. Yeah. 
that, you know, the guy was like, oh man, $7 a gallon. Like maybe I'll just get three quarters of a tank and that'll get me out of Florida. And then I can, I can get more gas in Georgia if I need to, or wherever else you're going away from the hurricane. Because if you don't, and that guy takes a full tank of gas plus 10 plus another 50 gallons and the gas station runs out of gas. Well, now you have a nice little family of four that maybe could have only afforded half a tank, um, at the $2 price because they're, they're poor and, and they at, so now they come and there's no gas for them yeah. to even try to make it out. Well, what we're talking about here is supply and demand. Exactly. It's a basic law of supply and demand. And when you, you talk this, about, you learn this in like fifth grade. Yeah. We, we, I know we had some kind of thing in, in high school where they talked about supply and demand. I don't know if it was like an economics one or like our gov- a government class or something like that. But they don't have economics in high school. Probably not. No. <laughs> um, so it gets emotional is the issue anytime something gets emotional rationality and logic go out the window and you start making emotional decisions and you say well that's wrong that's wrong for people to charge that much money there's a couple sides to that coin because first off you gotta the number one thing i would say is someone owns the gas station there's a person that has to work in the gas station and someone owns that gas station now if that well, gas station can't can't charge more for their gas, that guy's incentive is to lock up the gas station and then leave and get out of town because he's also going to have a hurricane coming coming around to him. He's probably going to have incurred expenses from uh, you know boarding up windows, from dealing with possible damage, uh, all can, all kinds of things like this. If there is a lot of damage, he might not be able to get a gas truck down there to to refill the station for a while. So there is all kinds of other expenses that go up for that person also. But then. The price gouging thing drives me nuts. Well, to, let's continue that point, though, because if he's able to raise his prices, he may take the risk and stay longer. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then more people now have the opportunity to get gas because the guy was willing to risk some time because it made it worth it now. Yeah, well, that, that's what they you find this uh, profit will incentivize people to act in a way that uh, helps them and also happens to help other people. They found that, uh, say, after Hurricane Katrina, that the private insurance companies were actually some of the first people to get there because they were the most incentivized people to get down there and start doing insurance adjustments for their for their customers and people who were doing the uh, the the government the flood emergency FEMA. flood insurance the FEMA yeah. uh, people that were doing that were waiting. I mean, weeks, months. You know, longer than that for people to come. While while all these people who had Geico were were already getting their checks to to start rebuilding things, and that's what profit does. The the people who ran Geico were like, hey, we have customers. We need to uh, we need to help these people so we can stay in business. And uh, and then you have FEMA who isn't on a profit motive, and they don't have any incentive to get down there as quick as possible. Right. And to to Ann Rand's point, it may be selfish of Geico to try to save face. Yeah. Because they don't want the PR, the bad PR. Yeah. But their selfishness ends up helping people quicker. They're just trying to make themselves look better so they can make more money down the road, which actually helped people. Right. At that time. That's weird how that works. Pretty crazy thing. The thing with price gouging that drives me nuts is it's just supply and demand. And we can all talk about supply and demand and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense, makes sense. And when the demand pops up for something really, really high, you typically see the price go up for it. Everything is an auction at all times. Everything's an auction. So 
when you're when you're going to a gas station, you're there's an auction that's already taken place. There's supply and demand that's already happened. They're bidding for the highest price that they can possibly get from their customers and still make the amount of money they need and still sell all the gas that they have. That's all the time. That's what they're doing. And you, anytime you're doing something, are trying to find every single thing you can at the absolute lowest price all the time. Every single thing is an auction at all times. And so the thing that the thing that drives me nuts on this is everyone's okay with supply and demand when we're in a year where no one's driving and uh, people are short on money and gas drops down to $1.80 a gallon. Everyone's like, oh yeah, well, gas prices are low. Guess what? That's supply and demand. That's what supply and demand is. But then when supply and demand dictates that the price pops up to $5 a gallon, Everyone's like, oh, this is price gouging. Oh, it's Obama's fault. How come you weren't price gouging the gas station when you were going there and only paying them $1.80 a gallon? You know, that was price gouging on your point at that that point in time. So everyone's okay with supply and demand when it benefits them. That's that's the issue. And so typically they love supply and demand when prices go down on things. But when a when every single person in your town is looking to fill up their gas tank and there's a fixed amount of gas, the price for gas is going to go up. That's that's just how it is. And what that does is that that limits so economics is actually the it's the study of scarce resources that have alternative uses. That's the other that's the other part the of the allocation. That. The allocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses. So every single resource has an alternative use, including the person's time who owns a gas station has an alternative use. Um, a tree has thousands of alternative uses. It can go to build a house, it can go to make a pencil, it can go to make a guitar, it can go to do all all kinds of different things, or it can or it can be a tree if that's what the price dictates at that time and the amount that people are willing to pay for things is what dictates what gets built out of that tree there's no there's no person in government issuing an order saying that a tree is going to make 10,000 pencils and two guitars and and uh and the rest of it's going to be cut into two by sixes like that that's not they tried that they tried that in the soviet union they were trying to manage the allocation of 25 million different products. That's what they were trying to do. And that's just at that point in time. We probably have more like 50 million, 100 million products million. now. More than likely. So, uh, And they found that there was no way that they could accurately predict what, what was going to get used when. So they had these huge, huge stockpiles of things that no one was using where if the price would have dropped down on it because no one wanted to buy it, if the price would have been allowed to drop down, then no one would have produced it because they didn't need any more of it so then that resource would have gone towards something else instead that's what prices do that's that's how that's how they're so awesome all the time so well and it's the most efficient and best way to do it because you can't predict it that's the thing so they, it's technically impossible it it is it it is impossible no one's no one's ever been able to do it um the biggest nation that tried it was was Russia uh, was the Soviet Union and um and they were actually the closest probably in population to to us for for nations that have tried to do that now uh, I guess China can do it but there's also been millions and millions and millions of people that have starved to death in China so how many times have you uh, not wanted to finish your green beans and your mom said hey what they're starving people in China they don't say hey there's 
starving people in Nashville. No one's starving in Nashville. It's just not, I, I mean, I guarantee you, because I've seen, I know there's all kinds of homeless, you know, all kinds of different centers here that you can go to and, uh, and get food. There's, there's starving people in China. That, that's where, like the, that's re- where they are. Real starvation. Actual starving people that are going to starve to death. Yeah. So um, that's what happens when you fix prices on something, when they're, not, when they're not able to move around. So now we get to drugs, which is something that people uh, need to stay alive. And we start accepting that it's time to fix prices on drugs. So it's a dangerous, absolutely nothing bad can happen from that. Right. 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 Not, not got, one bit. I came up with this genius slogan. All right. So when somebody talks bad about capitalism, all we have to respond with is say, well, that's not real capitalism. <laughs> you that's know? good. Which yeah. is true. Which actually, is actually right true. Though. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like actually legit. Like, when they talk about like, oh, well, all the banks got bailed out in 2008, it's like, well, that's not real capitalism. That wasn't real capitalism. It's not even capitalism. Those guys were working under a guarantee from the government that right. they would get paid back if things went poorly. It's not even like a scotch yeah. of capitalism. If they, if the banks had been working under the actual risk that they would never be able to recoup that money, they would have never done it. Right. That's the problem. And they, well, actually, they were mandated by the government to sure. start giving out. They were. They were under penalty. They were. They would be uh, penalized if they didn't right. give out a certain amount of the subprime loans. So, it's it's a it's an issue when you you take a market where the the governments came in and removed the risk from the market, and then all human beings are greedy, all of them. You know, say, oh, those greedy bankers. Well, those those are just other people. They happen to be running banks. And they're honestly just as greedy as you are because, uh, and that no one really will agree with me saying that, but everyone is greedy. It might not be on that level, but you always want the most you can get for the least amount of your effort at all times. The most you can receive for the least amount of your effort. I don't like, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, I want to work as hard as I possibly can and like get worse yeah and nobody says that you're not like oh i'm working this nice job i'm making 40 grand a year it's a pretty pretty good what i really like to do is go to a job where i'm working even harder and longer hours and still get the same amount of money right you're not going to do that you actually even drop in pay yeah you you want more money or you'd like to go somewhere where you're not even working as hard as you are right now where you can make the same amount of money right it's greed yeah it's, it's what it is. It's on a smaller scale because you're not dealing with the money that those people are. Right. That's just what greed manifests so, as when you're dealing with that money. You know what's crazy about this? And you and I have talked about this, but we need to have this conversation again. The, we were talking about the exact same thing during the 70s and 80s. And there's a great video, Milton Friedman. I wasn't alive in the 70s and 80s, well, man. Well, we weren't talking. Well, late 80s. Right. We, as like... Kids weren't talking about this, but people, people, our society, in, yes, in yeah. America. Great video. Well, Milton Friedman, Nobel laureate, uh, economist, don't agree with everything, but probably like ninety-seven percent. Uh, he was on the Donahue show, did Free to Choose, um, and he was being interviewed about that book. And some lady stood up and asked the question. Literally, this is in the eighties. It's so hilarious. Lady Stubbin asked the question that you would literally hear today on a CNN town hall. She basically said, how is it fair that there are starving people in this country 
who don't who live paycheck to paycheck, who don't have enough to get by, and you have all these millionaires who can buy yachts and planes and are they're just greedy, right? Yeah. And Milton Friedman kind of chuckles because he's he just knew every answer. It's just funny to watch that guy smile. I love watching him talk because he he tells you just the absolute truth. He has an answer for everything, and he's got a smile on his face the whole time because there's no stress in his mind whatsoever about right. his response because he's he's got his he's got it figured out. Right. And when there's the thing is when you're right, you're not stressed out no, that much because. No. Because it, it's the people who are who are angry and hateful, uh, you know. If you're if you're right about what you're saying, you don't have to have any stress in your speech, right? You know. It's it, and other people use resentment and anger to cover up the fact that the, the really they have anxiety about whether or not their answer is right or yeah. their questions right. So, but Milton Friedman said the greatest thing. Of course, of course, the first thing he said he's like, "What is greed?" You know. He's like, it's always the other fellow who's greeter. It's never us, right? It's always someone else. And the other thing he went on to say is like, where do you think you're going to find all these angels to organize and run society for us? Like, where are these perfect human beings that aren't selfish or greedy uh, that are going to run everything for us and dictate a perfect world? Where do they exist? And then he also said, he said things like, do you think that the uh, China commissary doesn't run on greed? Uh, you don't think that uh, Great Britain doesn't run on greed? Russia. He said, Russia. He's like, if you'll excuse me, you don't think the United States president doesn't run on greed? <laughs> Hiring says, his family excuse member. Excuse me, sir, if you'll pardon me. If you'll pardon me. <laughs> so <laughs> polite may, the whole this time. This may not be popular opinion. Yeah. But what society doesn't run on greed? And then he said, the only system that has improved the poorest among us, that has improved... The, the lot of the ordinary individual. The lot of the ordinary individual, people like us, the only system that has given anyone ever a chance is basically free markets. That's it. It's the only system that allows you, somebody like me, to grow up in a trailer with a mom, single mom, making $15,000 a year, raising three sons, pretty much by herself. My grandma was there too. She's pretty awesome. And to go on and end up starting his own business and doing pretty well. Yeah. Like no other, like that wouldn't happen in China. You can't do that in other places. No, it wouldn't happen in Venezuela. No. You know, it's the only, literally the only system. And we can talk about this too, because like, you know, the system sucks, right? Like for the most part, it's, you know, there's a lot of times where it's like, man, it'd be so cool if I could have all these things, if I had the money. Right. And that kind of sucks yeah. because some people can have it or whatever. And it takes hard work to maybe acquire the things that you want to acquire. But compared to every other system, it's the best worst system ever. Yeah. And the point there that you we started with is this isn't even real free market capitalism right now in most scenarios. Right. Now, you're in a pretty, pretty free market capitalist system, but... You are doing a job that probably shouldn't be so complicated to uh, for the business that you're working for. Well, honestly, the business that I started shouldn't even exist. Yeah. Like it like I was able to start a business because of government regulation. Yeah, you're literally making a good living 
because the healthcare system is so screwed up. Yes. Yeah. That's just another piece of it. And that's you're just part the of truth. A, you're part of a cost of our healthcare system yes. right now. Yeah. Your salary is, uh, or your, your compensation is worked into the price of every medical visit that we, that we make. Absolutely is. Even though I'm trying to make it better. Yeah. You know, like I'm trying to make it more efficient. Yeah. Um, but it's like, would it be right of me to fight for regulation to make sure that my business stays alive? Like, no, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice principles. Mm -mm. Like I legit can say, and I would tell anyone like my business shouldn't exist. And I hope one day it doesn't because we're that free. Yeah. Cause then that frees up my time to do all kinds of other cool things. So on the free side, um, and I don't mean actual free, but free market side, let's talk about insulin, the drug. So I don't know what the actual cost is billed to the, to the insurance company, but it, you know a little bit more about that stuff than I do. They have, it depends. They've got all kinds of contracts and stuff. Yeah. So, um, let's say that we weren't using insurance to pay for something that was a hundred percent certainty anymore. And so let's say that uh, insurance, which by its very nature is to insure against unlikely events. And we weren't using insurance to pay for something that you were, you know that you're going to need all the time. And in that market, that drug company only had to rely on what people could afford to pay out of pocket to survive. Do you think that the cost of drugs would just be skyrocketing all the time? Probably not. They wouldn't be able to. No. They wouldn't be able to be in business because no one could afford their product. And that's another thing that happens is when we've we've accepted this idea that insurance is needs to pay for everything. It needs to pay for everything. You know that you're going to need it next month and insurance is supposed to pay for it. Once we accept that, then now you have a market that is no longer incentivized to become less expensive like everything else is. You know, the, the cost of a computer is unfathomable to people, you know, to, to us for, for what the cost of a computer used to be when it was first invented. You know, tens of thousands of dollars for a computer. Now you can get a crappy Windows computer for 300 bucks. Not even you that. Know? Less than that. Cheaper than that. Yeah. And so the the cost was over time has been incentivized and they've been incentivized to innovate and create efficiency and create new ways to develop their product, to make their product better over time. And the prices steadily decreased the whole time. You can look at that. You can use that for a, a lot of different products that have actually gotten less and less expensive, especially in technology, for sure, over time. So then you take a market that is... Uh, not paid for by the people. It's paid for by a second party, a third party, whoever it is. There's no incentive anymore to lower the price. I want to know what would happen to insulin, a monthly in insulin, if there wasn't insurance covering the bill. What would that look like over the last hundred years since the time whenever insulin was invented? If they could only charge what people could actually afford, there was no other payment to them at all. And there was no uh, FDA making it $2 billion to bring their drug to market. I don't think you're ever going to get those stats. We won't. Well, and this is a problem. This is a problem with economics and free markets because people can't comprehend the unknown. 
Yeah. They can't even, I mean, what you have to do is you have to, you know, abstract that idea out and play it out in your head. And most people don't do that. They don't say, well, what if? Yeah. How would it go if all this? Well, it's too scary right. because people are like, oh, they'll, well, first off, they're going to make a drug that's going to kill everyone that takes it. No incentive to do that whatsoever. Then you literally don't make any Absolutely money. no incentive <laughs> to do that, yeah. especially a drug that people need on a daily basis to make a drug that's going to kill them. No incentive. So uh, you take that out and then they're like, oh, well, they, you know, the cost is just going to skyrocket. You know, they'll charge whatever. They, no, no, they won't. No, they won't because people won't have the money. They'll have the money that they have right now. Um, actually, they probably have more because in this fictional uh, fairy tale utopia land, there's uh, no government making every single thing that you buy on a daily basis more expensive. So um, you've probably got more money at that point in time. Um, but it's too scary for people to think about. And that's the problem. You're, it's not even. It's not just physical uh, security. It's and that that quote goes for anything. You're you're sacrificing liberty for security at all times. Yeah. A little bit more security. I want to make sure that they're going to do this. And that's what happens. Right. You what you're doing is you're you're basically offsetting your ability to analyze and perceive risk for yourself and you're trying to you're trying to to delegate that to a government that you believe is supposed to watch out for your best interest when really they don't care like they just don't care about you and how can you set the government up to pay to take care of these kinds of issues when when you don't you know just say you're a socialist, you're a, just a social justice warrior, you're the you know just big of, biggest regressive liberal you've ever met, and, <laughs> and you want the government to control nearly everything, but you can't account for the fact that Donald Trump's going to be the president someday. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. How can you have... I don't understand that philosophy, actually. You have no idea who's going to be in control of the government. And these days with social media, a company can't do anything that's that terrible because it's going to get posted on social media and go viral. There's incentive all the time for them to do all the right things. Right. But the government has no incentive ever. Nope. No, whatsoever. There, there's no incentive other than getting elected. That's it. Which they can just shovel the blame off on someone else all right. the time. That's why Congress has delegated all their authority to the executive branch anyway. Right. So they don't have any responsibility. They can yeah. be like, well, I didn't vote for that. Yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah. That was the, that this, was an agency. This leads into another discussion, though, of, of a beautiful article that you wrote, Nate, uh, on GoodMorningLiberty.us. And it's called How Our Society Values Things More Than Healthcare. So. Yeah. So. Let's say maybe uh, we'll go back 150 years ago. That should be enough time, (laughs) Um, which in all of human history is like nothing. Yeah. So whether you believe in evolution or not, we humans have been around between 10,000 and 10 million years, probably closer to 10 million years. Uh, But even if it was just 10,000 years, like 150 years, it's nothing. Yeah. Because 10,000, it's a lot. Quite a bit. Yeah. You're talking about like 1.5% of the amount of right. time that we've been here. Like if I had $10,000 in one hand and only 150 in the other, it'd be way different. It would. Yeah. I think most people would say 10,000 is a lot more. I, 
checking most, the math on that. I think it is yes. for sure. Yeah. But 150 years ago, like if you had diabetes, you just died. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was it. There wasn't anything they, no one could do anything like, uh, but you humans have a right to healthcare, Charlie. How could that have ever happened? Well, no, I'm just saying 150 years ago, like no human beings have a right. Well, to no, but you just died. Yeah. That's it. So it can't be a right, can it? So now somebody has invented something. Yeah. Uh, a synthetic version or what, what, you know, they've derived. will supplement your. That, that will literally keep you alive if you take it every day. It's like a, it's almost like a miracle. It is a miracle. It is. Because 150 years ago and before that, like if you had diabetes, which I think 7 million Americans do, Somewhere around there, seven, uh, no, actually, it was said almost thirty million Americans. Uh, the, the, there'd just be thirty million less people in America one hundred and fifty years ago. Yeah, just all you're just dead. Well, now there's literally a basically a miracle pill, although it's a shot. That if you take it every day on time, like you're supposed to, uh, you get to live. Like you're not dead. It's the opposite of dead. Living. Yes. Like you're a conscious being versus being an unconscious. Yes. If if. Being alive or dead, it is the one of the deadest things right. that the drug the drug does. If being alive were dead, I don't want to be alive. Yeah, but Something it's not. Like that. It's not right. And and so then you have to weigh in. Is like okay, what else in life actually matters? Like, what should I actually be wanting to pay the most for? Um, yeah. Should I be worried about like what my car looks like? or what my house looks like or you know whatever it is what like, cell phone do, you do have. I have the latest cell phone like do I need to be worried about any of that or do I need to be worried about like making sure that I take this miracle drug so I'm not dead because if you're dead you can't have any of those material things anyway yeah so you wrote this great article that talks about how people value things more than their health care and it's a brilliant analogy for people to actually think about where does healthcare rank on your priority? Like, is it expensive? Yes. We're not saying it's not, it's too expensive, right? It's way too expensive. It should be cheaper. We're definitely would advocate for free market solutions to make healthcare cheaper. Obviously you got to get rid of some easy things like selling insurance across state lines, get rid of a lot of regulation. There's a lot of things you can do to make healthcare cheaper. I can give you a giant list. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on this. Lord, let, we'll have Lacey on the program. She, yeah. could, she could come up with about a hundred, hundred things right, right now. I bet me and Lacey could talk about this for six hours. Oh, geez. That's a Lacey, my wife. She, she is a financial analyst for, uh, the, the biggest hospital corporation. Yeah. And, uh, there, let me tell you what, um, there are some stuff that the expenses involved that people just have no yeah. clue. I actually worked for exists. them too. Used, yeah, yeah, you did. Used to. Uh, so, so we could have like, maybe we'll just do a six hour podcast one day. We got, yeah, we can call people. <laughs> yeah. You know? We can never call in. Yeah. We can never call into the show. Um, maybe we'll have some other people call into the show sometime. We should. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe send <laughs> us a message. So the article is, uh, talking about how we value all these things. Yes. So, but what's more important? Where does healthcare lie on your priority list? If you could remove the fact that it's um, it's too expensive, so we've said that it's too expensive. So take out that take that out of your mind and say, out of all the things you're going to pay for this month, 
um, which of them is the most important. And don't even talk about insurance because insurance is too expensive and insurance covers too many things. So if you were just to list out your priorities in life, it seems like on a monetary scale that healthcare that keeps you alive has to be more valuable than everything else that you pay for. It has to be. Right. Because you couldn't have any of those other things. If Nothing. you weren't a lot. Yeah. And you could talk about, well, I, my kids. My kids are the most important thing. Well, what's the most important thing on their list? Healthcare. So it's... Well, the most important thing on their list is probably having their mom and dad around. Yeah. That's yeah. important too. Right. So we spend... I mean, you could total up like on our cell phone, our Netflix, our Hulu, our Amazon subscription, your Apple Music subscription, all these things that you have. Car. Your car, I mean, which we need a car, but obviously if you're dead, no, you can't not, drive your car. No, so needed. Yeah. It's still, healthcare is more important than your car. You got Uber now. It's true. Yeah. If you actually needed to go somewhere, you could get there pretty cheaply. If you're in the big enough area that has right. it. Yeah. Right. But um, all of those things that you pay for, just a couple, well, couple few thousand dollars. Here's another, here's another thing though. If you're not in a big enough area, big areas exist. They you do. You could go there. Yeah. Right. I've seen people walk to those areas yes. before. Yeah. Seen it. But all those things that you pay for, and if you were to remove the cost of your car monthly, um, take, take all the other subscription services that you have. And then your phone, that's gotta be, you know, this space phone that you have, that you have to have because you have to have it, right? There's no way you can't exist without it. You couldn't just have a flip phone that could be used for emergencies. You, you have to have the smartphone that you have right now. So, all, all of those, that was sarcasm, by the way, you don't have to have it. Right. But um, all of those things, you're looking at two to $3,000 a year that you're paying for those things. But let's say this year you ended up going to get an MRI and you got a bill in the mail for $2,000. You'd flip your lid on that. Oh my God, how $2,000 for an MRI. You've got to be For kidding this me. Magic picture that this is such a scam. Takes pictures these, inside my these, body. These hospitals are price gouging me because they know that I have to have that and they're charging so much money for it. And and it's just outside of all of those emotions, how did you, how do we get to a uh, how do we get to a place as a as a society where we're totally fine with paying the thousands of dollars for all of those unnecessary subscriptions so you can watch Game of Thrones. But if it's you pretty cool show though. Yeah, it is. No, until you the can't end. watch it if you're dead. Yeah, Still. It's true. So it's a valid point. How do we get to a point in our society where paying for all those things was oh well, you know, I'm paying for it. I need it. You know, I I, I wouldn't want to live without it. I, I, it's it's necessary. It's it's important to me financially that I have those things in my life. But then healthcare, a life-saving MRI that picks up some kind of thing in your body that's going to kill you prematurely, it's in, it's just insane. It's insane that it costs that much money, right? It's actually kind of weird that we even have something that can take pictures in, inside of your body. I know. Without like going inside to take it. It's, you know, maybe it does. They're just not telling us everything. Yeah. You it's, know, it's they, a pretty big machine. they are not telling us everything, whoever they are. Well, like who even got the idea? to do that do know. something like that michael richard md M- 
There's an I at the end of his name. Oh, okay. The R is his middle name. Oh, you you know this? No, no, I'm just oh, making okay. it up. I have no idea. Okay. Um, so there's uh, you pay twenty five thousand dollars for your car that you're going to have for six years. You're probably going to trade it in and get another car and pay another twenty five thousand dollars, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, whatever it is for your next car. But if you had to have a surgery, and the hospital builds you twenty five thousand dollars for something that would have ended the rest of your entire life. If you didn't have it. If you didn't have it, that's insane. Right. That's price gouging. They're just charging you a bunch of money. But you're but you're told well, yeah, twenty five grand for a new car, it's a pretty good deal. You know, it's right. got a backup camera and Bluetooth and all, all that kind of stuff. You know? It's like it's so weird to me. How do we get to that? I how don't do, know. How is that more important? Well, the one thing I would say and one thing you have to understand is like none of this is easy. Like it's like when you get a hospital bill, it does suck because you yeah. like, oh, yeah. it's not easy living without Netflix or a cell phone or a car. Like none of that's easy, but here's the truth about life. And we were supposed to talk about truth on this episode. I don't think we're going to get to it. We're <laughs> going to have to save it for next week, but here's the truth about life. Like here's the truth about life. And that is really hard. And yeah. A lot of hard decisions and nothing you do is actually easy. But the thing about it is when it comes to something like this, like, do you want to live or not? Like that's a legit question. Yeah. And, and healthcare paying for healthcare, like preventative services or even life-saving services is better than being dead. And no one takes that in consideration. And as you mentioned, like we'll pay three, four, $5,000 a year for all these subscriptions, but we won't pay $5,000 to uh, make sure we take our insulin every single day. Yeah. I think that's what it's up to somewhere around there. It's like four or $5,000 a year. Um, but, and so like you could be alive and sure you don't have Amazon and Netflix and your cell phone and stuff like that, but you can still like talk to your mom or maybe you have kids. You could still see them every day Yeah, and your kids could have you around Yeah, versus and, and sure. Is it unfair? Sure. Yeah. Cause most people don't have diabetes. So yeah, that sucks and it's really unfair, but lots of people have lots of problems. I can't started, even imagine. I started this year off with a surgery that. If I wouldn't have had the surgery, I would have died. Right. Even my doctor told me on my follow-up, he's like, I didn't say it like before we went in. He's like, you were, you were close to, to it, to, I had my appendix taken. I know it's a, a routine surgery, total, totally easy, but that can kill you. But L- you were stubborn. Literally. You're stubborn. I was stubborn. I didn't want to spend the money. So I was laying on the floor in agony, throwing up from the pain at my house because I didn't want to go to the doctor and see if there was anything wrong. I just thought that I had really bad gas. Really bad. Terrible. The worst ever. So <laughs> that, that was stuck. <laughs> it was in there, man. But uh, so I went, I went and they run, like they wheeled me, put me in a wheelchair immediately and took me two hours later. I was in surgery. And, uh, and when I got the bills afterwards, it ended up costing a little over $2,000 out of my pocket. The rest of it was covered by insurance. And, I was talking to someone about it. You know, I used um, a portion of the uh, my tax refund. So the 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 uh, the government was like, "Hey, we stole a little bit too much money from you this year. Thank you for letting us use it. Um, we're just going to give you back some of it." So that was, so I got my tax refund, and uh, someone said, "Like, man, I can't believe we had to use that on on health expenses," and that, that's what made it 
that's what made that article click in my mind. Right. So I was like, what else were we going to use it on that was more important than the surgery well, that saved my life? You could say it first, an emotional response was like, yeah, man, that's yeah, that sucks. We have to. It did suck. I, right. I didn't want to have to have the surgery. Right. That does suck. Yeah. But at the same time, like lots of bad things happen to lots of good people and even bad people all of the time because life sucks. It's really hard. It's suffering. If you want to say that, you know, like that's exactly what it is. Tragedy strikes all the time. People get cancer or whatever. You get diabetes. It's unfair. People have are born with deformities or whatever it may be. I feel like you're trying to sell me life insurance right now. Some people are tall. Some people are short. Charlie's six, eight. I am. He walks into a room and he's six, eight every single time he goes in there. Now, later in life, he might slouch down the 6'6 six, six or something like yeah. that, but he's always going to be much taller. I'm actually slouching in my chair right now, but it's mainly so I can stay eye level with yeah. you because if I sat up like this, I feel like I'd be That's weird and I'm too yeah. far away from the mic. You so can... like when Charlie goes to a concert and stands and he decides, hey, I'd like to be closer to my favorite band ever. There are people behind him that are legitimately upset. Yeah. Very upset. That's not fair. Because they can't see. It's not fair to them. It's also not fair to you that you can't get close to some of your favorite artists without making people upset. It's not my fault. It's your cross the bear, man. Right. It's it's your, you got to put that on your shoulder and run uphill with it. I do. You know? A good thing I got big shoulders. You do. You do. <laughs> you can actually, you won't even have to drag it. You'll pick up the whole right. thing. Right. So, I mean, it's just not, it's just not fair. And I don't like the idea that we've decided that we have to have all of these things that didn't exist 20 years ago that we have to have them and someone else has to shoulder the responsibility of keeping us alive. Right. Which is like your number one thing you're supposed to pay for. Yes. And you're lucky to be able to pay for it. You're lucky to it's exist. It's a privilege. You're lucky. That's a good word going around. Yeah. It's a privilege. It, you are it, and in the span of earth. You are lucky to have dropped in at the time that you can go get a picture inside your body to see if something's about to kill you. That is just dumb luck right there. And we complain about it. They're literally printing like 3D portions of people's hearts and using them in surgery. It's That's like crazy. Unbelievable. I heard they put like a pig's heart in China. No, that pig's heart in someone. New Guinea. Was it? Yeah. Did he make it? No, he didn't live or anything. It's just cool they're trying it. That's cool they're trying stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's innovative. It's the amount of innovation that has happened just over the last 20 years. I mean, we just, just keeps going and going and going. It's just, it keeps getting faster and faster. The rates get faster. Computing speeds are doubling every year. Eventually, like we're not even gonna be able to comprehend what the hell is going on because everything is becoming so ridiculously awesome. Thanks to capitalism. Well, yeah, mainly, but, but, and, and people's like smart people being innovative and having a reason to be innovative, but it's like, you think about, I mean, 20 years ago, like heart surgery was a big deal. And now it's like they, they're printing yeah. like 3d valves. It's a big deal. Like it's, it's still it's, a big deal, but yeah. it's like, they're able to print these valves that used to, you'd have to get from somebody else. And now they can just print them yeah. out of cool material that would actually work inside your body. And now instead of dying at, you know, 60 because you ate too many French fries, you, you get to live to be 80. Like, I'll mention this book again because everybody seriously needs to read it. It's called progress by Johan Norberg. It, it's so fascinating to me how awful 
life used to be, it's still bad. Like there's still a lot of tragedy. Things are still really unfair, but maybe we should have some gratitude because we didn't grow up in 1900 when you were going to die when you were 50. It's, it's one thing that drives me nuts is that we've decided somehow that we have these new rights you can call them positive rights, rights that people have to give to you basically or taken from other people. But um, we have these new rights to things that didn't even exist 20 years ago. How can you have a right to something that didn't exist when you were born? How were you born with the right to something that didn't exist? It doesn't really make any sense. I go all the way down, and this is a crazy one that people would, because I boil everything down to its logical conclusion, including my own thoughts. Um, Air conditioning, you know, uh, over the course of human history, barely any humans have ever had air conditioning. Hardly any of them have ever had air conditioning. And now it's just like, we have to have it. It's a right, right? You can't, can't go without that. You have to have air conditioning in whatever the workplace is. You have to have it. Can't even go to school. Do you know what percentage of human history humans had air conditioning? How do human beings have a right to air conditioning? It's not possible because if human beings had a right to air conditioning, then someone should have been put in prison in 1 million BC for not providing air conditioning to someone else. It's, it's impossible. You can't have a right to something that hasn't always been here. I'm going to shut the air off in this in yeah. the studio and there's nothing you can I say want it, about man. it. I, have, I want it. There's nothing you no, can do about I it. I want it. You don't deserve it. I deserve it. <laughs> deserve. What people deserve is a lot different from what you're going to get for sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. I don't think there's any better way to end it than that right there. No, I that like it. Good. So I guess we'll say goodbye then. Well, we, we still need people to share the show. So we do. Yeah. Good morning. Liberty.us is a great website that we're working on. We're, we're pumping content out onto it. It's going to take a bit. We just made the website and just now started writing articles for it. So there's like four on there right now. They're pretty good. Um, you can go on there and uh, subscribe to that page so you get, we'll email you the, the new articles. Um, go find us on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Good Morning Liberty. Uh, no, at Good AM Liberty. That's right. Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Um, and then you can uh, share this with your friends. Yeah. For sure. Share it with a few friends. Maybe leave us a rating and review. Those are important, by the way. If yes. you actually, if you like the ideas that we're saying, if you think more people need to hear it, the thing is, the show is more likely to show up in people's feeds if it has more ratings and reviews. Yes. That, that is the way of the world. And the whole purpose, like, okay, what's the purpose behind Good Morning Liberty? Well, that's easy. We want to help the most people possible ever in humanity. Yeah. What's the best way to do that? provide people with the most freedom they can humanly they could absolutely bear yeah like the most freedom that you can shoulder and then teach people that with that freedom comes a heavy responsibility mm -hmm. that it's I, your duty it's not like it's your obligation you have a moral obligation and duty to bear as much responsibility along with that freedom to make the world as best play the, as good of a place as you can possibly make it and not make it any worse. I agree. That's and that's why we're point. doing this show because we want to, we've seen a system 
Uh, we, we, we like free market capitalism. Now, the, whatever bad connotation can be put on top of that, I'm sorry, but free market capitalism says that I can trade value with you and we can do that freely between the two of us. And uh, that's all free market capitalism says. Now you can bump that all the way up to you've become the biggest corporation in the world. Or you can take it all the way down to your, uh, the, your whittling small boats uh, at your house and you want to sell them to people. So that, that's what free market capitalism is. And we've seen that system lift millions and millions of people out of poverty. You can actually, if you look in that book, Progress, you could look at a timeline of human civilization. You can look at all the things that we have today that we didn't have for thousands, millions of years of human civilization. And when one of the first countries in the world popped up that said, hey, you do you, and we can freely interact with each other, uh, what do you know? All of a sudden, we had all this crazy stuff. It's it's like you, the fact that you can listen to a podcast is thanks to capitalism. Yeah. The fact that you can complain about capitalism on your magic computer box that's handheld in your pocket and has like 15, 16 hours worth of battery life. Like, thank, you can thank capitalism that you get to complain about it Yeah, on your magic handheld the, box. The government started the internet, but you know what they did? They pushed it off and said, you know what? I can't really do much with this. Yeah. No good. Yeah, it's not a good I thing. I don't see any use for this really yeah. at all. And then we took it over. And that's how we have the freedom to make a 10 minute long outro on our podcast. Well, okay. Here's another point to think about. See, this is what happens. We have this great conversation. You spark ideas, right? We spark ideas between each other. That's why it's important to have civil discourse with people. Like yeah. Actual great conversations because you spark ideas. The other thing to think about is what is the freest thing that we have in the entire world today? The internet. The internet. Yeah. What's the, like the most booming thing in the world today? Um, government expenditures. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> but the answer I was looking for is internet. The internet. Yeah. Sorry. Like the freest thing we have in the world today is the internet. And the most innovation we've seen in the last 20 years has all come from the internet. It's created millions of jobs. No one even could even think of 30 years ago. It's created multi-billion dollar corporations, multi-million dollar other small businesses. I, I was able to create a business because of the internet. Like when I was, somebody asked me when I was four, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I didn't know that the internet was around. It wasn't there yet. Maybe it was just there. Who knows what four. we're going to, who knows what we're going to have 20 years from now. Right. Hmm. It's fun. It's exciting. It is. I'm pumped. It's something cool to look forward to. The other thing we're very adamant about is defeating commies. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.